This week's episode is brought to you, as always, by Patchworks Seattle. And they have some exciting news. They have uh, the new Korg ARP 2600 semi-modular synthesizer uh, that has been modernized in the newest 2600M model uh, with features like MIDI, a smaller form factor, and a re-engineered lush spring reverb. And that is available at Patchworks. And something else about Patchworks that I have utilized many times is it is a great place to bring in your vintage synthesizers and music gear on consignment, or you can do some trade for store credit. Patrick's is located in the heart of the Wallingford neighborhood in Seattle. You can stop by the showroom to play vintage synthesizers and shop new and used gear. Also has a ton of live events from in-store showroom sessions with local artists to in-depth workshops and classes. And here's another cool piece of information. If you are shopping online at Patchworks, free shipping for orders over $75. And then one last thing, they are updating their showroom hours. So Patchworks will be now open Thursday, Friday, and Saturday from noon to 7 p.m. and Sunday from noon to 6 p.m. So it will be closed Monday through Wednesday. Once again, that's patchworks.com, P-A-T-C-H-W-E-R-K-S. Hello and welcome back to Podular Modcast. My name is Tim Held. This week we have John Herndon on the show. He is the second member of one of my favorite bands on earth, Tortoise, to be on the show. And um, I'm kind of thinking maybe I'll try to see if I can have 2023 be the year that I have every member of Tortoise on the show. So fingers crossed, we'll see. Um, we have a great discussion and we are going to get into that very soon. But I thought I would uh, introduce you to my new guitar. This is a Cordoba 06012. It is a uh, acoustic electric nylon string classical guitar. Uh, two different pickup systems in it, like a regular, uh, I think like piezo style. And then it's also just got like a little microphone in here, which is pretty cool. Hello. So I thought I'd uh, do a little jam here. Um, I've got the signal from the guitar split and going into the super octave pedal from Boss and then also into the sound destruction device from Recovery Effects, which I think is one of the uh, most interesting and cool uh, fuzz pedals that exists. I love this pedal so much. Um, so I'm running from the super octave into the 4MS uh, percussion interface and interface expander um, and then into the razor which is a one-to-one -one clone of blades from after later audio uh, also using from recovery effects the cutting room floor and the dual looping delay from 4ms as well as the mini peg for uh, from 4ms so i'm using the percussion interface expander and the mini peg as all of my sources of modulation and then yeah just getting some cool sounds so why don't we uh well let me make sure my guitar is in tune <laughs> Thank you. 
Griff in high school. And seeing the military uh, helicopter, whirly bird flying over, um, just made me feel like I needed to play some metal. Anyways, thanks for bearing with my little jam session there. So the music you hear playing under me right now is from this week's featured artist, Ybot, off of the album Direct Message. And the song is called Swall One. And there's a link to that in the show description. And if you would like to be a featured artist on Podmon, then uh, hit me up on the Discord or Instagram or email at podmodcast at gmail.com. I also want to say thank you to everybody who supports me on Patreon. If you would like to help keep the LEDs blinking over here at Podmod, then head over to patreon.com forward slash podmodcast. There's a link in the show description. Um, also, I want to say thank you to 4MS and to New Systems Instruments, After Later Audio, and Patchworks. Before we get into our chat, we're going to take a look at the triphase oscillator from New Systems Instruments, as well as a suite of modules from 4MS. All right, today's demo is going to focus on the triphase oscillator from New Systems Instruments and a handful of modules from 4MS, the shaped dual envelope VCA, the envelope VCA, the mini peg, and the shuffling clock multiplier. Also gonna use the dual looping delay here. So I know I've talked about the shape dual envelope VCA quite a bit on the show and have expressed to you all that it's one of my favorite CV sources of all time, but I haven't really shown or told you why. So that's gonna be one of the main um, kind of goals of this video. Uh, also just to show how well the Minipeg SCM shape dual envelope VCA and the envelope VCA work together. They, it's just, uh, I don't just keep them in for demos. These are these are all like mainstays now. Speaking of mainstays, I want to give a shout out to Bastel and Casper. This Aikido Dynamic VCA mixer is absolutely amazing. So we're going to use that today. Before we get into this video, I do also want to give a shout out to Mordax for sending me this data. It's such a useful tool and it's going to be absolutely essential for explaining why I love the Shape Dual Envelope VCA so much. I also think it's a really, really useful tool for people who are maybe new to modular or CV signals in general. To have a visual representation is extraordinarily helpful. And then finally, I want to just give a shout out to ALM Busy Circuits for the ASQ1 sequencer. Um, I bought this the other day at Patchworks and I absolutely love it. And if you've been listening to the show long enough, you know that I have probably erroneously not had a sequencer for a really long time other than just random stuff and I think it's because you know I've always said I didn't like um, writing sequences on modules and that's that's pretty that's true but the ASQ makes writing sequences really fun because I can play them into it and then uh, that's that's how I write them because I'm, I'm more of a, a player than a programmer okay so this, I, I'm not going to be able to walk you through absolutely everything that's going on in this patch uh, without it taking like an hour and uh, I think everybody would get bored and it's, that's just not ideal. So I'm going to put some pretty detailed patch notes in the uh, show description. So the end of rise on the mini peg is, uh, is a gate that is triggering the uh, channel A on the shape dual envelope VCA and then the end of rise on the shape dual envelope VCA is triggering the uh, B envelope and then the uh, the end of fall on the B envelope is triggering 
the envelope VCA. So you can see it's kind of a cascading of triggers. Um, and then they're all modulating each other in some shape or form. What's cool about the Shape Dual Envelope VCA is you can change them in real time. A lot of envelopes that you can change the shape of, they will take that new shape after the cycle is done. This will actually um, change its shape throughout its cycle. And that's one of the main reasons I really, really like it. And if you don't have anything going into the VCA CV ends on them, then the envelope is what's opening the VCA. So I'm actually sending, uh, you know, I'm, I'm sending them all to each other and then out to various uh, places. So lots of crazy control. And this crazy control is going to be messing with the phase of the three oscillators on the triphase oscillator, as well as the sidechain and VCA control on the Aikido. Okay, so now I'm gonna get the sequence started. I've got uh, all of the attenuverters uh, turned down, hopefully, on all of our modules here so we can just see and hear their, uh, their straight up signals with no CV. So let's get this going. And this is just the first oscillator on the triphase. So uh, the mix output from triphase into channel A of the Aikido VCA mixer. Uh, and then I've got the uh, gate from the ASQ1 sequencer into the sidechain in, and that's what's opening the, uh, that's what's basically opening this VCA, but more in a sidechain way. I don't need an envelope uh, with, with a sidechain input here on the Aikido. And then that's going into the input A of the dual looping delay, and then, uh, the A and B outputs from that, going into the B and C outputs of Aikido, so we can hear some delay there, but I'm not gonna add that quite yet. So let's bring our other um, oscillators into the mix from the triphase. Okay, so that's just some pretty plain Jane stuff going on here. But let's start introducing the modulation from the Shape Dual Envelope VCA into the three oscillators phase on the triphase. So it's gonna be uh, output A, B, and then the OR output here. So the top three lines on the Mordax data, um, that's what's gonna be messing with the phase here. Um, and then another thing that I really, really love, I don't know why, but I just, this triphase oscillator sounds so good when you put a really fast LFO into the FM input. All right, so now let's start introducing some CV uh, control over the, mod uh, the envelopes that are controlling the triphase. So first up, um, I'm going to start changing the shape of the envelope A, but before I turn up that attenuverter, just look at the green line um, on the Mordax data as I change it manually. So what's really cool about the uh, Shape Dual Envelope VCA is these envelopes change as they're uh, cycling. A lot of 
envelopes that you can shape will take on their new shape after the cycle is complete, but these change within their cycle, which is one of the reasons I love it so much. So let's just put it all the way to the right with a nice big wide shape and then use a nitinuverter to introduce some negative CB in there to move it over. So you can already hear the characteristic of the patch changing while um, I turn that attenuverter up. So let's do the same for the B output. I'm gonna do the exact opposite. Basically just push this all the way to the left so it's a nice little thin spike. And then I'm gonna turn some CV up to change that shape. And again, you can hear uh, the character of the, the uh, patch changing. And now, not only can we uh, control the shape of these envelopes, uh, we can control their rise and fall time. So change, let's attenuate the rise and fall time of channel A and then B. I basically, I, I, if, you're, if you're not watching the video, if you're just listening, I have the A and B channel kind of set up in like mirror, mirror images of each other um, as far as the shape, the rise and fall time, the CV going into them and how the attenuverters are all um, positioned. Okay, so um, I'm also running an, uh, an LFO from the quad LFO from New Systems into the follower on the uh, just the envelope VCA. Um, so let's change the rise and fall time here as well. So the envelope VCA, um, it's not controlling any aspect of the triphase oscillator, but what it is doing is uh, controlling the uh, the rise and fall time of the shape dual envelope VCA's A channel. Um, and then just its regular normal output is changing the shape of the uh, pingable envelope generator output. And then the pingable envelope generator, uh, generator output is actually, um, is changing the, uh, the, the time of the envelope VCA. So again, I'll put like uh, uh, some detailed notes because there's a lot of stuff going on here. I've also got um, the the, uh, the mini peg going into the VCA of the envelope VCA. So as as you can see, you can just get like the between these three modules, these three envelope generator VCA modules, you can spread CV out and just get all sorts of crazy shapes and whatnot. Um, let's turn some delay up now on the DLD just to get things sounding a little bit more exciting. I'm going to add some reverb as well from the Aurora that's off screen. Just a little standard big reverb. Um, let's see, what else can I tell you about? Oh yeah, let's, uh, let's send some of these envelopes that we're using to uh, control this patch now into the VCA controls of the um, Aikido. So I'm going to turn both channels down because um, I'm going to do basically another mirror image thing. So the A output, I'm going to turn the, uh, the volume uh, up on this, but then I'm going to send uh, an envelope into it and use the attenuverter to turn that into a negative voltage so it'll do some ducking. So that is the, um, the A output on the shape dual envelope VCA that's providing that ducking. 
And I'm gonna turn that down really quick just to show you. I'm gonna do the opposite with the B output. I'm gonna turn the volume fader up just a little, but then use the uh, the B output from the Shape Dual Envelope VCA to turn this uh, to turn this up via the VCA. And now I'm gonna do both together. I'm gonna turn the um, basically. I'm just gonna turn all of the modulation um, up on the <laughs> on all the attenuators um, on the envelopes as well as the uh, the triphase oscillator here. That's why I love all these modules so much. Uh, for more information, please visit the uh, information in the show description down below. <laughs> oh man, that was a good one. Um, all right, so we're here with uh, John Herndon. I, I I feel like I've I've seen or heard. Um, people close to you call you Herndog. Is this correct? Is this a, a, a common nickname? <laughs> that's, that's what I, I prefer actually. If he, everyone could just call me Herndog. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, with, with two Johns in, in the same band, I figured, you know, you'd have to, and yeah, you have to get, get a way to dis, uh, distinguish between the two. Um, when I was a kid, uh, my brother and I had had two good friends um, that were Tommy and John Chason, and I was the younger uh, John of the two. So for, I don't know, for like four years when we were friends living in Massachusetts, I was Minnie because oh. I was the, the lower John. And then uh -huh. somehow it flipped to Minnie Chowda. And then it was mini chowda for like two years. <laughs> hey, mini chowda. How did you? How did you feel about that? Was it like a, a term I, of endearment, I, or was it? I, you know, I, I think I was just psyched that people were just calling me about anything, really. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I'm named after my my uncle, my mom's brother, and. 
my mom's yeah my mom's dad is named jim my dad's name's jim my uncle's name's tim and then my uncle tim named his son jim and it's just like can we wow. can we maybe like get some uh originality so i i've been timmy my whole life because there was tim and timmy and so that's yeah. like what i like i that's how i kind of like see or that's that's always how i've always i like identified close friends and everything um but as an that's adult great. yeah but as an adult it's i feel like it's weird to introduce yourself as timmy but jimmy is not weird like if you're an adult johnny also not weird but i feel like timmy there's something about it you know, I, I always introduce myself as John, um, mm -hmm. but then it seems that most of my close friends will call me Johnny um, mm -hmm. for whatever reason. I don't know. I, I wasn't born Johnny. I was born John, and I was John for most of my life until I was like 18 and moved to Chicago, and then everybody uh -huh. started calling me Johnny. Okay. Yeah, yeah when... When John and Sam were over here a few months ago, when anytime he'd refer to you in the conversation, he'd call you Johnny. And I was wondering if that's because he's like, well, I'm John, so he's got to be Johnny, like some weird, like, you know, mental thing that subconscious thing or something. Just like forever mini, no matter how old I get, it's <laughs> mini, mini Johnny. <laughs> Johnny and Timmy. Oh. It's the Johnny, yeah, Johnny show. <laughs> Um, so you said, I was going to ask where you grew up. So you were, uh, where in Massachusetts did you grow up? Uh, well, I was born in Long Island. Okay. Um, and then moved around, um, some, um, and then, uh, I was in foster homes for a few years. My brother okay. and I, my, my, my mom, uh, took my brother and I to, uh, Boston Gardens and left us on a park bench and my dad was in prison at the time um, so he shit. was in prison for a couple of years uh, and we went to foster homes um, and then we got out um, my and my dad uh, had started a commune in Cambridge um, and he uh, met this woman who he married and who later adopted us actually um, and became my mom, um, this woman, Barbara. Um, and so we moved to Cambridge in, I guess I was five years old at the time. Um, okay. And, uh, and then we lived in, uh, in Massachusetts until age 10. And then, uh, the whole family, the earth guild, uh, grateful union, um, moved to, just outside of Asheville, North Carolina, and Western North oh, Carolina, okay. mm -hmm. and I and I grew. I, I lived there um, until my senior year of high school, and I moved out. And my 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 mom and dad had split up. My dad moved out to Los Angeles. I lived in Los Angeles from from eighty three eighty four, then back to Asheville for just for the summer, fall, part of the winter, and then moved to Chicago. And then I lived in Chicago for 28 years. Um, okay. And, until I moved out here. Right on. Uh, nine years. Uh, Los Angeles, nine years ago. Okay. Um, man, I feel like uh, I feel like I have so many questions. Um, 
I want to like, can you, can you talk a little bit about the commune? Like, was this like a, like a hippie commune a religious commune? Like what, what was the deal with that? Um, definitely hippie. Um, mm-hmm. not religious. Um, but there were, uh, crafts people. Um, and, um, so there was a, uh, a weaving studio in the house and my folks r- uh, ran and, uh, in 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 Cambridge, and then mo- when it moved to North Carolina, um, they reopened the store um, after uh, a store called Earth Guild um, that sells uh, raw materials for handcrafts. I think is their description. Um, okay. And, uh, so they they sell uh, looms and spinning wheels and yarn and uh, basket weaving supplies and. Okay. Um, they give okay. classes and yeah. So so you 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 uh you grew up with you know some form of art artists and I imagine in a hippie com- commune there was all sorts of different types of artists. Like, do you think that had any sort of influence on the direction that you took with your life? Uh, absolutely. Yeah, it's like a so like how old were you? You said when you moved from the commune. From the commune. Yeah, like how long were you there? What ages? Oh, like ages five till, um, till I guess seventeen. Um, oh, okay, so formative years. Yeah. Okay. And then I moved out out west to live with my dad um, for a year, and then I came back and moved back in. Um, and was staying in a giant cardboard box in the uh, storage room of the store, the Earth Guild in Asheville, um, North Carolina. Um, and I lived there for a few months. Um, and then my folks are like, you got to get a job or go to school or do something. And um, you have until September. Um, so figure it out. Um, and then we have to push you on your way. So I got a job wow. and I got a, I got an apartment um, and moved in with, with one of my high school friends. And um, okay. Yeah. So when do you start? Um, I always like to ask the same question because it's such a different answer from everybody. Like kind of twofold. When does music come into your life? Like when do you realize that you love music, and is there like a an, an original, like a an initial artist or song that got you into loving music? And then was there same question, but for like that transitory stage into becoming a participant? Hmm. Oh man, that's I I'm. It seemed like forever I loved music. Um, mm-hmm. Uh, my brother and I used to like put on like these weird shows. Like when we moved to the earth guild, uh, we would like put on like, like vests that were like sort of gold and sparkly Uh and and get tambourines um, and sit everybody down in the living room and sing like, um, you know, whatever, uh, 
Jeremiah was a bullfrog or whatever. <laughs> That's awesome. And dance around and stuff. Um, and I, uh, and then I, I don't know. Um, we moved to North Carolina. Um, I was, I was always super into like, I was really into the who my friend, Tommy Chason and I were super into the who, um, and we went and saw like Tommy, the movie when, when it was out in the theaters, like eight times mm -hmm. or something, I was like <laughs> eight years old or whatever. Um, but so we were always like listening to the who and to, uh, there was an early version of the band Boston, um, that would rehearse in my folks warehouse space. And when we were in oh, Cambridge, really? um, my uncle Jonathan was a front of house sound man, um, for, for an early version of Boston. Um, and then later, uh, toured with Hall and Oates doing front of house sound for a while. Holy shit. Okay. Right on. So you oh, like, you had like a little bit of uh, an in uh, into like the rock world then like kind of influencing you a bit there. Yeah. Um, I saw uh, the Rolling Stones on like the Goat's Head Soup Tour in like 1974 um, and Stevie Wonder opened for oh, the, whoa. the Stones. Um, my folks had a ton of Stones records and then uh, they had a, a big record collection, but they had a bunch of Stevie Wonder records. Um, and I remember seeing that concert and then coming back and just like listening to the, the Stevie wonder tunes, like the records just over and over and over and was, was super blown away by that. Um, but I didn't really start playing an instrument until we moved to North Carolina. And then, um, and then I just somehow I, I tried to play guitar and I, was kind of fumbled around the, on the guitar a little bit. Um, never got very far with it. Um, and then somehow the drums kind of like uh, peaked an in, in interest. Um, mm -hmm. And uh, so I, I, I talked my folks into... I, I like did the whole thing where I like I got some sticks and a practice pad and like set up books and different levels on my desk and like would listen to music and like pretend that I was playing across a drum kit or whatever. Uh -huh. um, I never was able to like use pots and pans because my folks are like, uh, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like time life art books or whatever. Like like <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Was on and like Rembrandt and uh -huh. Rembrandt was the crash with China symbol. Actually. <laughs> <laughs> well, I want to grab something real quick. Um, um, because you're an artist, I think you might appreciate this. You mentioned time life. Um, I oh, have yeah. a, uh, I have, um, I think he's like a great, great uncle, John Held Jr. Actually, um, oh, wow, 
he uh was like a like a jazz era like flapper like lots of flapper pictures but he'd had like a lot of covers of like life like magazine and all sorts of it's really cool i i actually have two of these books maybe i'll uh maybe i'll rip some of these prints out and send you some because i think you'd really like some of these things there's one in particular he did a lot of it like this is pretty like a classic version of his like just like this weird like kind of pinup girl kind of thing um but he always had like these kind of funny quips um but yeah uh yeah i did i also did like the my mom and dad wouldn't let me use the pots and pans but i would find like you know like buck little plastic buckets and stuff like that um because yeah um yeah did you start playing drums at an early age actually no i i started playing guitar is my primary instrument i started that at like 12 i got a drum set when i was maybe 16 mm-hmm. um six, yeah so i had a, or maybe like i had a drum set from like 15 to 18 and i played like in pep band and my band teacher hated me because i played too hard but the football players liked me because i played too hard and um yeah and then you know going to college and living with relatives in apartments and stuff i couldn't have a drum set so i really only had one for a handful of years and uh just got this v drum set like less than a year ago so i went over 20 years without drums but i feel like i'm already I feel like there's, I mean, there's an element of it that feels kind of like riding a bike. Like I'll never, I don't think I'd ever lose the ability to just play like a really standard four, four, but like timing issues are definitely, uh, were, were a big thing. And my brain would know what I wanted to do, but my muscle memory wasn't there anymore. So I just flub a lot. But, um, I feel like now I've been playing quite a bit and because you know, that you, you've, you've helped me out with, uh, you know, giving me recommendations and stuff and books, books to check out. I feel like I'm actually better than I've ever been at drums now, but I still have a long ways to go. (laughs) But do you think at some point you'll get like an acoustic instrument or I would love to, um, it's, I think I'd have to, we have a lot of, we bought a house that's was built in 1911 uh, so we need a new roof first. And then um, we have a little like garage that would be good for setting up a kit in, but I want to get um, electricity out to it first. So I could have like heaters in the winter and like put up insulation and everything. Cause if I, if I'm going to get a drum kit, I'm going to get like as nice one as I can. Um, but yeah, I've been thinking I'm I'm actually working on these tunes that have drums on them and trying to get a sound that's not, you know, kind of cheesy out of this is really difficult. So I'm I'm trying to think of who I know who has a kit um who I can go like but I was thinking even maybe buying one from Guitar Center just for mm-hmm. like tracking and getting some studio time and just going in for like two days and just tracking all my drums and then going and returning it. But um <laughs> well I mean you know the thing that I, I think about acoustic drums um is that you know, if they're round, if they're like, if they haven't over time warped or something and they're round drums, you can pretty much get a a good sound out of something that isn't extraordinarily expensive. Um, Okay. That's good to know. So, so, 
so Craigslist, I mean, I don't know, and offer up are good good spot places to look um, for, you know, cheap drums. Um, it mm-hmm. seems like always somebody's always trying to get rid of some some drums, and sometimes there's some diamonds out there that people yeah. don't realize that they're they're trying to unload for inexpensive. Um, yeah, that's good. Get, yeah. As, as good a one, like as good a drum kit as you can is so subjective. Um, right. Some, right. Sometimes like a crappy drum kit is the burningest shit, you know, mm-hmm. um, I, I love going on tour and just playing like house kits. Some like I did with it when, when I was playing with Ken Vandermark and going and playing just on like these kits with heads that would be all pockmarked and stuff. It's just like, <laughs> just you sort of like utilize what you've got and you try yeah. to like play to the strengths, even if they're in somebody else's eyes, weaknesses of the, of right. the way instrument is. Um, so I don't know, you know, um, I like that. I, I actually have taken that philosophy with um, guitar well, and then just audio equipment, like before I, you know, started the podcast and had, you know, made friends with makers and stuff and got into this world. I, I had like no money to spend on gear. Um, so it was always really cheap. And my first full length, like electronic album, I just, there were, there were moments that I recorded my electric guitar unplugged into my laptop mic as an input. Yeah. And so I was just leaning into as shitty as I could. And then I was using like plugins that weren't even effects, like, like, well, technically effects, but m- more for like utility or cleanup stuff, like DSers and just weird stuff like that. And just fucking around with putting those on the guitar tracks. And I've, I got some stuff that doesn't sound at all like guitar, but it sounds, you know, cool and crunchy. So I'm definitely into the lean into the limitations. Um, I think when I, yeah, when I say like the nicest one, I I mean more like something like I really want it to, I'm really, I mean, I think this is probably most drummers, but I'm very picky with size and layout of like each, each drum. Like I went to my buddy Greg's house and he has a studio and he has this like beautiful, um, I think it's like an old, uh, it's not a Gretsch. What's the one, um, what's, what's the one that John Bonham played? Why am I blanking on this? Like the. Yeah. Yeah. So he, but his, his, he's got two toms and the, the rack tom is like a 14 or something. It just looks, I mean, especially after playing these V drums, it just looks fucking yeah. enormous. Um, but yeah, I think I want to go minimal and, uh, you know, talking with you and then just like kind of noticing all my favorite drummers typically have no more than two toms. And I was asking you like, why is that? And you're like, I don't know. And I always like wondered like, is it just cheesy to have too many? But, and I, I was also, I took my, my second of three toms out because I felt myself just going into like my late nineties, you know, influence like cheesy mm. fills and stuff. So I was like, I don't want to fall into old habits. So I just took <clears throat> it off and now I prefer yeah. it. I like it a lot. That's funny. Cause I just went the opposite. I added a second rack tom and a, and a second floor tom. Oh really? Yeah. Um, did you you didn't have that, those at the last two tortoise show that the the, sh- the shows I was at did you? 
No, this has just been within the last, I mean, I've had them at my house sitting on a shelf. Um, Cause when I ordered the drum kit from CNC, I was like, let me get just some different options. If I want mm-hmm. to use a 12 and a 14, that's great. If I want to use a 13 and a 16 or whatever combination. So I got 12, 13, a 14 inch floor Tom and a 16 inch floor Tom. Oh, cool. And a nice. 20 inch kick drum. But I also have a 24, I also have a t- an 18. Um, <clears throat> and then I have like a bunch of concert toms I, and some others. I have like a 10 inch, like so I have just, you know, a bunch of different drums. So depending on what I want to use. Um, but I ordered this kit from CNC and they're all matching and it's 12, 13, 14, 16 and a 20 inch kick drum. So I put them all up and man, it has been so much fun playing yeah. with all these drums. Um, and Do you find yourself playing like, like leaning into different styles or techniques or anything or, you know, like it's, I've just been like having fun just going around the t- toms mm-hmm. and um, playing different sort of like paradiddle variations. So where you like start doing a roll and then at the end of the at the end of the 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 line of drums you sort of do a paradiddle so then you reverse coming back up and then you do a paradiddle on whatever drum the snare drum or whatever and then you're back to going this way and then reverse it and then this way and then reverse it and yeah and then doing like or variations up here or like you know I'm looking yeah. at myself on the camera. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, it yeah, like the whole the paradiddles on like on fills is something that I would I never never even considered or knew about as you know when I was a kid in in fucking Roslyn, Washington. You know, like I there was no YouTube. I didn't have a teacher. Like so, I I. But since you like you gave me the, uh, the recommendation of the uh, um, uh, what's that book called? Now I can't think. A uh, uh, stick control oh, with yeah. all just all the different like rudiment. Is, are, are are those paradiddles that are those like left left right right left left right right like those kind of like patterns that you just practice or? There there are a lot of paradiddle variations in the stick control book for sure. So like I feel like I I spent when you when you and I got that book. I spent a while like just practicing those and it's just, it's crazy. Like fighting against your, your, your instincts be like, and just having to start over. But I I have been able to start incorporating them into my fills. And I've even noticed that I've done it without thinking about it a few times. I'm like, Ooh, I need to start practicing that some more. Um, So thanks again for the recommendation. Um, Also, cool. having your painting right next to my drum set is is a pretty good uh, is a pretty good inspiration. Be like, all right, well, if I've got John's painting hanging here, I gotta like, I gotta put in the work. Because uh- <laughs> that there's that the face on on that dog creature has like sort of Gene Gene Simmons paint uh, uh-huh. uh, face painting, and and Kiss was definitely one of the reasons why i wanted to get a a drum kit um 
Okay. I got, yeah. I'm, I'm always curious, like what the bands and, and particular songs or albums are that make people like, I want to join, I want to do that. Yeah. I, you know, I, um, I don't know what it was. Um, Kiss was like a popular name. Um, it seemed like, um, amongst my friends, but like, you never heard like kiss songs on the radio or anything. Um, but they were like, people were like, Oh, kiss. And then I saw a photo of them and I was like, Holy shit. What are these guys doing? You know, they look like, like weird, like Japanese monster movie guys or something Mm -hmm. with like big old crazy boots on and stuff. And, um, (laughs) and then I heard some records, maybe like a studio record. I heard like, I don't know, like rock and roll over or something or the first one. And I was like, yeah, I don't know. You know, it's, it's not really hitting me. And then um, someone was like, Oh, well you got to hear kiss alive, kiss Mm -hmm. alive one. And I I put I heard that record and it, they just like had, they, it's so raw. Like, and the band was, really had a, a crazy boogie New York. I, I didn't know this at the time, but it just like, they have such a crazy bounce and like mm-hmm. Ace, Ace Freely was like, he's just like slaying those leads on that record. I don't know. Like it was just had all the elements and it, it sounds really like kind of rough and like, 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 uh, you know, kind of overblown and like they're really pushing the tape. Um, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. this has a great, great sound to it. The band sounds smoking. And, um, and I was like, Oh shit. And I don't know, like Peter Chris isn't like a great drummer, but like, I don't know, something about just like hearing that band. I think it was like, I wanted to be like, ace freely but like on the drums uh-huh yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> that's that's awesome um but, but but then um but then uh then i heard like um exit stage left by rush um and for somehow at the same time like like get the gap band fours record um okay which had like burn rubber on it um and uh i don't know like just like those three records were the ones that i that i was like damn i want to i want to play the drums so it seems like you're kind of drawn to like and and, um i think sly and the family stone i think you've talked about like being really influential and stuff like seems like you're 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 drawn to either like really like proggy or jazzy or like like you said boogieing like have some pop almost not not pop but like a, a like a swinging like uh catchy element to it yeah like just like a pocket i i love mm-hmm. like a a good a good a, I, I love a good feel uh really it's- is I think what it comes down to is just, you know, the, the, the way the drummer can make a band feel. I love like Frank Beard's drumming and ZZ Top. Um, mm-hmm. 
I love uh, I love Stevie Wonder's drumming on all those records. Um, tr- you know, Charlie Watts, Ringo Starr. Um, mm-hmm. um, uh, Andy Newmark on on those Sly and the Family Stone records from like Fresh. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know. Yeah. I'm curious. Uh, some, I've, I've been wanting to actually text you this question, but then I was like, I'm going to wait until we chat. And uh, yeah, I'm curious. So like there are two, there are two drummers that I'm, I'm pretty into uh, lately. Um, and kind of like, I look at them and I'm, I'm like, I want to figure out how to do that on guitar. I want to be like what they're doing on guitar. Like I want to play drums. Like you play drums. I want to play guitar like uh, Greg from Deerhoof and Brian from Lightning Bolt play drums. Like I just oh, saw right. Deerhoof the other day um, and it always sounds like he's about to just crash the whole train. You know, the whole oh, song is yeah. going to fall in. And then it's just like, but no, he, he totally did that on purpose and it came right back around. And I watched this video of him live. He was only had a, a kick, a snare and a China symbol. That's all he had. It's just like, what the fuck, dude? (laughs) So yeah, I was just curious, like, what do you like? Cause I know like you're a tech, you're a technical drummer. Like when you hear that stuff, does it sound like crazy slop or does it, is it like, is there something like, I don't know. Like, how do you feel about like that kind of like insane, super fast stuff? I, I mean, I, I love it. Um, I, I'm not a very technical drummer. Um, I, I would say, um, hmm. I, I, I think you have a lot of people fooled <laughs> then if that's uh, true. <laughs> I mean, you know, I, I've, I've worked on, I've playing the drums for a long time. So I think mm-hmm. just because of that, you get a certain amount of technique, but I've never right. been like, um, there was only like a short period of time where I ever like had any ambition to be like a flashy technical drummer. Um, mm-hmm. but, but mostly it, it's just been like really like, uh, liking the, like a good pocket and also, um, you know, uh, at a certain point, I think it was like I got into this almost like the sound of the the the, the feeling that you can ha- make when you're playing an instrument, any instrument. Um, but um, so I. I think I've gravitated towards um, you know um, well I, I I'll say this about what what you were asking um like I love Brian Harvey from Pig Destroyer um who is a just fly by the seat of his pants um mm-hmm. like steamroller kind of drummer there's this band called magruder grind um i don't know who any of the, <laughs> it's an amazing any name of the, any of the 
the members are, but I really love to hear that band. Um, there's also this band called Gulch that I really like. Um, okay. And their drummer is totally bananas awesome. Um, they're kind of like, I really love grindcore drumming. Um, mm -hmm. I really love the band Kraft. Um, they're a black metal band from Sweden. Um, okay. They sort of do this like mid mid tempo blast beat thing that I think is awesome. Oh, cool. um, like I, I love early Dark Throne and may, like early mm. Mayhem um, and that kind of stuff. But I, but I also love like you know Style Scott with like the Roots Radix band and like all the stuff that he did with aggravators or whatever um and i love it like his playing on those on those dub syndicate records um and um i you know i love dub dub reggae and i love funk and i love the doobie brothers and i love <laughs> Steve dad and you mm -hmm. know so um i love elvin jones like uh a, a, like a steamroller of a jazz guy who mm -hmm. uh, often will kind of like give the uh, feeling that things are going to sort of spiral out of control, but he is always like sharp as a tack. And, mm -hmm. um, and Tony Williams can kind of feel like that sometimes too. Um, uh, so I don't know. I, I, I love all the different kinds of drummings. Um, mm -hmm. And um, so I, you know, I think like it's, it's weird when you're practicing. So I often feel like um, I'll hear like some black metal and I'll be like, get really psyched. Like, yeah, I'm going to practice <laughs> blast beats. And I'll do that for a while. And I'm like, and then I'll be like, eh, I don't know. And then I'll just like, like play like a, a Michael McDonald record or something. And be right. like, yeah. Yeah. Super, yeah. Like, super like chill guy. In the, in uh -huh. the you know, I don't know. It's, but it's, I think well, that's beautiful about music is that it's so, uh, it can, it can, it's, it can meet any uh, emotional space that you're in, a psychological place you're in. Um, and uh, I don't know, I, I, that's why it's, some people love, uh, you know, people sometimes love one thing and then love another extreme. And I think that's mm -hmm. great. This week's episode of Podular Modcast is brought to you by Novation and their flagship synthesizer, The Summit. I've been using The Summit a lot to create samples to put into my stereo-triggered sampler for 4MS, as well as just playing keys. It is a lot of fun, it's super easy to use, it's very deep, but not at all intimidating, very navigable. It also has been very inspirational for me as far as writing new music. So, if you would like to check this out, please visit the show description and click the link. And once again, thank you to Novation for their support of Podular Modcast. 
Yeah, yeah. I, I like the music that I make on modular synth doesn't sound much like what I'm listening to day to day, and what I make with a guitar and drums doesn't sound anything like what I'm making on modular synth. And I'm trying to like marry those worlds, but um, I guess what I'm trying to say is like I, he like loving stuff that I hear like you know, at first when I wanted to be a musician, I wanted to just kind of emulate and like rock with, you know, rock out like the things that I'm listening to. And now I yeah. like, I feel like the, li like the listening and appreciation thing, there's definitely a crossover, but that, and then like my creative expression, there's, there's not like a really strong, like tie between the two for me. And I, I kind of get the sense of that from you as well. Cause you know, you've just named so many different things. Um, and then like, and then the, the, uh, grape dope stuff versus the tortoise stuff, pretty different as well, you know? So it's just like, it's more of like a, it's it's like a love of the game, you know, kind of approach. It feels like, um, yeah. And back, back to the technical thing. I, I feel like something like a, a through line that I feel like I, I kind of get the sense of from you and all, like all your bandmates in tortoise is you are all really great musicians and like you, you know, you use the word like flashy, like not really going for the flashy stuff. I feel like you guys are all like really, if it feels like you're all very cognizant of making sure that whatever you're doing is in service of the entire piece rather than, you know, like I really want to make a dope ass technical drum beat. Like, and you know, like I think um, Shake Hands with Danger is like a perfect example of it. I get so pumped off that, but it's just, <laughs> you know, it's like, it's a relatively simple drum beat, but it, the way it's yeah. all together just makes this like thing. And is that like, is that true? Have, or am I, um, and like, is that a conscious thing? Is that something that you guys have talked about? Or is that why you, became such a great band and are still a band this many years later. Hmm. Um, I uh, th think so. Um, uh, it's not something that we t ever talk much about. Um, mm -hmm. uh, you know, um, I... have sort of realized over the years that when I play something that sounds f flashy or whatever, um, and I hear it back and playback, um, it makes me feel really like, mm. I, I don't mm -hmm. like it. So I, I, I go real simple. I, I, um, I tend to just like, Uh, you know, I'm like a hip hop kid. Um, mm -hmm. I like it. I like a beat. Um, yeah. And I like, and I really love drummers who are playing a lot of notes and stuff, but, um, it has to be like right place, right time with tortoise. It's just not that really, you know, mm -hmm. it's like, um, nobody's really like trying to play something, um, that is 
that they're going to jump off the stage and do a flip to or something. I don't <laughs> <Right>. know. Um, <laughs> yeah. uh, it's just a different kind of thing. Um, although it, I think it, you know, you get a, a lot out of a just, but, um, you know, we're not, it's not the MC five or anything. Um, uh, but I, but I, 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 I love, I love the MC five. Um, and, uh, I guess I've had musical outlets that, that have been more like that. Um, but then something about like, um, you know, I think just like beat oriented music sort of framed how, uh, the uh, tor- tortoise was like the foundation of of tortoise. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Yeah, I mean, um, yeah that that makes total sense. Um, I want to kind of go back here because I feel like I I, I think I, I went on a tangent that derailed us. But okay, so kiss alive. You get a drum set. Do you like you start playing in rock bands then? Like, an, is this teenage years? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Um, okay. I think I got a, a drum kit maybe age 12. Okay. Um, and uh, so I started just practicing. I, 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 I talked my way into being in the high school band like a year earlier than people were supposed to be in because I had been taking some lessons and I could read and I auditioned and I, and I got in the marching band. Um, so I was, um, doing that and practicing and playing with some friends, uh, in like the barn or whatever, my friend's, (laughs) At my friend's house, my friend's house, my friend's dad uh, had um, like a trout farm. So there was like a little, uh, a little small house on the side of their house where they had a bunch of freezers for the, all the f- trout and stuff that they were uh, selling. Um, so we would set up in there and practice sometimes. Um, and then, uh, there was a, a band that were like friends of my folks that were all maybe just like a little bit younger, sort of like between my age and my folks' age. Um, but I guess like, I mean, way closer to my folks' age than mm-hmm. me. Um, and they had a band uh, that was playing kind of regular gigs around Asheville um playing like bar gigs and weddings and hotel gigs and stuff like that um little street fair gigs um and their drummer left for for whatever reason and i think i was like maybe 15 and they asked if i wanted to be the drummer so uh-huh that that's so got to feel playing. so good as a 15 year old like having the adults like being like you're good enough to join us, you know, like, yeah. 
that was the confidence cool... and stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that I, so then I played in that band, like all through high school. Um, uh, and, and that was really fun. We just, we did like, it was just a, a lot, a lot of covers and mm-hmm. a handful of originals, but we did some like Les Paul and Mary Ford, um, tunes and, um, uh, some like Credence and, um, some old rockabilly and some sixties rock and roll. And, um, yeah, I feel uh, like from marching band while listening to kiss, but then playing with this band, that's covering such a wide variety. Like you were like had a really excellent training ground at that, like really important age of, you know, like developing your technique and style or whatever. Yeah, it was it was great to just sort of have some like hands-on experience like okay, now play these songs in front of an audience and make people dance. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And that was really a, a great uh tr- le- learning experience um with a really supportive group of people who were psyched to be playing and it was just super fun. Um, uh, so, and it was, you know, it was in North Carolina. There weren't a lot of other band opportunities. Like there, uh-huh. um, there, most of my friends were like either not musicians. Um, and, um, and I, you know, I had like one friend who, was a skateboarder or a couple friends like um but i mean it was only like me and another kid who were like listening to like black flag or or devo mm-hmm. or anything like that um yeah so there there was there's no real opportunity to like start a punk rock band um and so I just didn't really do that until after high school and I moved to Chicago um, and then started playing in Chicago um, with different bands there. So were you, you were like, were you kind of, uh, was punk kind of the, um, the, the target or like kind of your, your aim at that, that point going to Chicago or were you like you are now just kind of down with, with anything as long as you were playing drums? Um, I wanted it to, you know, I wanted to play, um, what maybe like what I, what my perception of punk rock was, um, Mm -hmm. which was, uh, really kind of all over the place. Um, I, I didn't really want to be in a hardcore band. Um, cause I felt like that I, I, I wanted to, to be in a, in a band that played more than just like a boot. Um, so, I mean, you know, I, I loved, I loved Devo, you know, I, 
And to, to me, that was like the ultimate punk rock band um, was like, was the first three Devo records. <laughs> yeah. I didn't realize how punk rock those records were. And I've actually been listening to those um, late, like not, not a, like a whole lot, but it's something that me and my wife can agree on when we're like going on a drive, if we're both want something that's kind of like upbeat. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. And then I just found these cassettes. I, th I think they're called the wipers. They're like a Portland okay. band who kind of, yeah, fucking awesome. Um, it kind of reminds me of that, like deep, like early yeah, Devo stuff as well. Yeah. I'm, oh man. I, uh, is the, the record, is this real? The wipers record. Um, it's got like return of the rat on it. Um, okay. I think, I think I have that one. I got two of them. One's from like, one is earlier and sounds a little bit more Devo-y. And then the one from a few years later, it sounded like they were starting to get a little heavier, but mm -hmm. still like the same through line. It seemed. Yeah. Um, So I, you know, I, I, I guess I just wanted to, you know, what I, what I wanted and what I found, I think were not ex exactly the same. Um, mm -hmm. But um, I did uh, eventually meet Doug McCombs um, though, um, because the band that I was in, in Chicago, uh, started playing shows with, uh, Doug's band, 11th dream day. Um, and, uh, because of, of our meeting and our, I think we really bonded on our love of Devo. Um, Doug, I think, uh, bought his base, his first base the day after he saw Devo on Saturday night live. Um, oh really? Nice. He, he had never wanted to be a musician before, and he saw that performance, and he was like, "I, I got, I got to play music." Oh wow, um, that's amazing. So, uh, and and as a result of us meeting from being in these bands, the Tortoise started. So right, so that was. So you got, you guys are the like basically the two founding members. Like how. How does that like? What's what's the origin story from from you guys meeting, then acquiring all your your other members? Um. Well, we. Well, Doug and I were playing together. Um, just sort of like, we were like, what what can we do with just drums and bass? Um, mm -hmm. and. You know, he was kind of writing all these sort of riffs or songs or something on the bass, and and we were getting together sort of sporadically um, and trying to write songs um, just as a duo. Um, and uh, we recorded uh, some of the material um, at at Steve Albini's house um, before he opened up uh, electrical audio. He had uh -huh. a recording stu studio in his house. And David Sims from the Jesus Lizard uh, engineered um, a, a few days of us recording. Um, and then I think David had to go on tour and Steve went out of town. And um, like in the midst of that, uh, then I think Steve sold his house 
and started working on electrical audio. And I think those tapes that we recorded at, at that spot were just recycled um, and, and, and erased and used as other. Um, so anyway, like that, that stuff never went very far. Um, uh, and then um, we were, we had become friends somewhere in there uh, with Brad, Brad Wood, who was an engineer and living in Chicago and ran a studio um, called Idful Music. Um, <laughs> and uh, he was like, why don't you come and record some stuff here? And so we, we rented a couple days. Um, and as we were about to do the sessions, um, uh, Doug was telling maybe a Bundy Brown about doing s some work there. And Bundy was interested in maybe coming by and Doug said, why don't, why don't you bring your bass? And John said, uh, and Bundy said, that's cool. Could I, and Bundy and John were playing uh, together in Gaster del Sol. Um, okay. <clears throat> Um, or I'm sorry, they were playing together in Bastro at the time. Um, and he's, he was like, that's great. Can, could I bring John along? And, uh, and Doug and I were like, yeah, that sounds awesome. Why don't you guys come by? And so the, the first time that the four of us played together was really in the studio. Um, and, uh, so that was how Tortoise really started. We, was we recorded. Was John doing drums or was he doing like electronic instruments? He was playing drums. Um, I, I, I had bought a vibraphone. Um, oh, okay. Uh, and I didn't know how to play. And I was just thinking like, how do you do, how does like a punk rock band start? You know, you buy instruments and then you learn how to, <laughs> totally. how to play by start, starting a band. Um, uh. <laughs> so I was like, let's just do that. But with a vibraphone, um, we'll start a band and I'll, we'll learn how to play the vibraphone by starting a band. But John had like, had been, had had a lot of training, um, mallet training and, and stuff. So he, he had, more of a, a handle on the instrument than I did. Um, but so we were both kind of trading off on vibraphone and drums um, and Doug and, and Bundy were playing bass. Um, we recorded the sessions that we did at Idful uh, would end up becoming the first two Tortoise singles. Um, and after we recorded did that recording session um we were like let's play some shows so we started to try and play shows and um, was thrill jockey already going by then or just kind of starting around the same time or yeah i think we're the first uh tour single uh was uh 
thrill jockey number three. Okay. Wow. Okay. Very cool. Um, so I know Jeff came in at TNT, right? Yes, he did. And did Dan come in before or after that? Dan was in, uh, kind of from, maybe he played on the second tortoise show. Oh, okay. Um, Okay. But I don't know that he was on those singles, but he could have been, I honestly, I can't remember. Um, uh, but he was super early. Dan was super okay. early in the band. Yeah. I was asking John about like, okay, so three drummers, like, was that like a, is he, the way he described it, it was almost like, well, it just kind of happened that way. It was never like a set out to be like, let's have three drummers in the band, but it just kind of like, you know, he said it just like, that's just the way it went. Like, yeah. That's, well, that's so you know, Dan, Dan's a great multi-instrumentalist. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the first record that Dan was, was on was the, the Mech Mensch Mech record. Um, and he, I think that came out when he was like 15, um, recorded by Butch Vig, uh, Holy in shit. Madison. Wow. That's- studios um uh in like 1982 or 81 or something um and uh he's playing guitar on that band um wow and it's uh so but you know he dan plays like a little bit of saxophone and plays keyboards and plays a little bit of trombone and plays the drums and plays plays everything yeah now that you mention it like i'm when i'm like thinking about seeing you guys live i feel like i can i can i have a memory of him playing just about every instrument on the stage like he plays bass on some songs right for sure and and guitar and then the keys and stuff um but i did you know going back to like because you said um john had more mallet training i feel like seeing you guys live i feel like i see you on the mallets more often than than anybody did you yeah, just get really I, I, into it or? Uh, you know, I, um, I think I had aspirations for a short time to be a mallet player. Now I don't even own a, a, a vibraphone. Um, oh, really? Yeah. So I, I only play it when tortoise, uh, plays. Um, and I never really, got uh adept with keyboard or mallets um i kind of learn parts and i i can like write a simple part or something and then play that but if there's any like improvising or changing keys or anything like that i'm lost Um, yeah i i am i am just like play the part and don't deviate <laughs> from the part. Kind yeah. Of play. That's again, how I've yeah. been with keys up until just recently. I've kind of been diving into music theory and like learning scales and trying to figure it out. So, um, yeah, but yeah, I was That's the same cool. way. Like if you showed me, I could figure it out. You know, I could learn it and play it over and over again, but yeah. I fooled many people into thinking that I played piano. 
um, oh, well. Okay. Yeah, I call myself yeah. a magician. I can make yeah, people the- who aren't musicians think I'm really good at stuff. Yeah, I, oh shit! I, I think this thing's uh, it says it's. Give me one second. We're done. It yeah. says it's, it's it says it's still recording, so I think I'm okay. Yeah, I think we're fine. Um, but we are we are uh, coming to an hour, and I know you've got a lot of stuff going on, so I don't want to take up too much of your time. Um, That's all right. But um, but yeah, we'll, just let's wrap it up. yeah. Yeah, to tie a bow on the tortoise thing. Um, is there any? Are you? What's the plan? A new rec- I know you guys just had a, like a, a a short-ish tour. Like any uh, any plans for an album or? Uh, album is in the works. Um, we've been recording at Flora Martine in uh, Portland, Tucker Martine's studio. Um, okay. Uh, with John at the helm again. Um, and, uh, <clears throat> uh, every tortoise record seems like it's n- never going to happen until <laughs> it's sort of like, and the last minute, like we'll retain, we'll like <laughs> form a shape and then hold that shape. And then you're like, Oh damn, damn, that's a record. It's the weirdest shit. I'm always just like, I love that. Okay, what are we doing? I haven't, you know. um, But the last session that we did there, I I I could feel that the songs were uh, take taking some shape. Um, Okay, but it's it's a real slow process. Um, I. I wouldn't recommend it to anyone making record. I mean, I, I make records in this, like in bedrooms, you know, by myself and that takes me forever. So I can't imagine like, you know, five people writing parts for multiple instruments and the, the tracking of all of that and the mixing, you know, like, um, would you, is there like a, like a through line or vibe that you feel is already formed or like, and how would you describe it if you're willing? I, I won't, I won't, I won't even try. Okay, cool. No, I, I, it, sounds like, it sounds like tortoise. Awesome. That's good news. Um, and I told myself I wouldn't ask you this question. I've been fighting it since, um, since we uh, became buddies, but I just like, oh, I have on. to ask, what's that? Oh, go on, do it. <laughs> ask me uh, anything. What, what's your favorite tortoise record? Oh, uh, um, the one that's coming out next. Oh, I like that answer. Hell yeah. That's, that's fucking <laughs> rad. Um, well, shit, we we passed an hour and I wanted to, I wanted to get into uh, a grape dope. And I also wanted to talk to you about, um, your, your painting and tattooing. Um, but I think that means we just have to do a part two. I think we need a, a Hern Dog Returns episode. Yeah, that, that sounds good. Um, I'm sorry we didn't talk about modular at all. Um, oh, shit. I didn't even think about that until now. Have you been playing at all? I, like, have you? I, I have been. Um, I've been mostly, like, using it as, like, a way to design sounds 
to to then sample. Um, that was my original intent getting into it. So a lot of people do that. Yeah. Um, but uh, so that's kind of where I'm at with it. I I I did fill up two IntelliGel uh, 108 boxes with gear. And then I took most of one of them, uh, uh, about, uh, about as much that could fill one of those boxes <clears throat> and put the modules back into like cardboard boxes and on a shelf. Um, to sort of like, <clears throat> I was like, what do I really want to use here? Because um, I felt like I did get into like, I had bad gas. Yeah. Um, yep. That's, that's, that's almost everybody is, has a similar story of starting out. It's like too did much that, shit. Too much shit. I put all the shit away and now I'm working with one, one box. Um, and I even wish like I, yeah, I don't know. Like I thought about like, maybe I should just buy like a little, uh, skip something. Um, I've been, I got a couple of these four MS pods and I feel like the yeah. smaller system I make, the, the, the more I like the stuff that I'm doing. So, and yeah, I yeah. hear a lot of people say that. Um, yeah. So yeah, because it's just overwhelming, and once the cables are patched in, even on like a seven U one hundred four case, it's like, it's just like it's a like unless you go through and dress it all, like it's it's hard to keep track of what's going on, and yeah, it's 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 a complicated instrument to try to make songs on, you know. Yeah, I I'm I'm not there yet, um, but yeah. Uh, I I feel like I I get a lot more um I cover a lot more workable likable stuff with like the Digitact. Um I I don't know. Um it's just like something about like just a um something that has all of the shit built into it that you can be like, mm -hmm. okay, now I'm going to like use the amp and get the, everything's like in there. I don't know. Like I, yeah, I'm, I think I'm, mm -hmm. I haven't wrapped my head around the modular stuff quite yet. Um, but I'm getting there. Yeah. I mean, I've been into it for a little over five years and I just now over maybe the last, I don't know, eight months feel like I can call myself a modular synthesist, even though I've been doing this show for five years and um, it, it, there's a steep learning curve. And I think the, like I said, you know, uh, I think it was before we started recording, but with like these, this class I'm trying to design, um, I really want to like really emphasize to those people starting out that like figure out what it is you want to do and then mm -hmm. figure out what the tools that are available do and then try to like hand select those and then learn, try to make that thing that, that you chose those tools to make. Um, and don't give up. Don't be like, oh, this isn't the tool for it. I need this module. Like you, you could probably figure it out, 
but it'll might just take a long time. Um, yeah. So, yeah, it's 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 definitely a, a really steep learning curve. Um, but I'm excited. I'm I'm glad to hear that you're you're still using it and um, you know still wanting to put in some time with it because I feel like the last few times we've chatted about it, I was like, oh, I, I think I think John John might be. I don't know if he's he's into. I don't think he's going to stay in the 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 modular world for very long. So I'm glad to hear you're still uh, messing with it. Oh no, I I, I have, um, I'm committed to to figuring out a, a workable, um, uh, put, uh, so somehow like have it work f for me on on some level. I'm definitely not going to sell all my gear again. Yeah, just all I if if I could ask anything of you, if you decide to sell it before you do that, let's get on like a Zoom chat, or um, maybe I could fly down to LA and get tattooed at the same time. But just like I want to, I want to like look at your system and talk to you about what you want to do and try to like give you some pointers or something because I think having said like I've had so many people help me along the way and it's made a huge difference and uh, yeah it'd be fun too okay I you know maybe what if I um do you use Spotify or Apple Music or something yeah I use Spotify mm -hmm. what if I like made you a playlist and I, uh -huh. and I was like these are some of the things that I like um how the fuck are these people doing this shit I love that I love playlists yeah that sounds great um yeah send me one make 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 one up send it to me and I'll take a listen I mean the I can the answer for a lot of it's going to be like well there's a lot of ways you could do that but um I'll, I'll think of when you do that we also just send me a picture of your current case and like what you have been gelling with as far as like gear yeah. goes Mm -hmm. I will. Yeah. 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 I think we could get started with that. So, yeah, I, I'm, I'm super into to the, uh, after later knits. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. And, uh, I, that's like, I think my, my favorite module <laughs> these days. Yeah. Yeah. That's a real, so that's a, the clone of the, the mutable plats. And that's just like one of the most, yeah, people love that thing. It's great for drums and voices. Yeah. Yeah. So that I've just been using that mostly. Um and uh trying to get my head around like um the Hermods, the Squark mm -hmm. Hermod. Um mm -hmm. sequences are weird, you yeah. In conjunction with Pachinko and and then having it all sort of clock from the digitact like i think okay. i just want to use use drums and and stuff from the digitact cuz i'm quick with it and i can make mm -hmm. it and like my so far my experience using drums in the eurorack world has been like uh i'm i don't love it i i yeah. i think it's I can use the the little groove box better, and it can yeah. clock the mod, which can which can drive the pachinko, um, and then 
I just, so that's kind of what I'm trying to figure out. Okay, cool. Yeah. Um, I, I just realized like I was going to, I would, uh, like I'm starting to think like a, like a teacher now, but I'm going to put like, I have some questions about that specifically, but I'll do that off air. Let's wrap this up. Is there okay. anything that you want to promote or scream from the modular mountaintops? Um, uh, I have two songs on SoundCloud um, under a band name called All Non-Void. All um, Non-Void. And I'm hoping to have that be more of a an outlet for new electronic music um cool i'll put so a link to that in the show description so check it out people listening can find it there right on okay. well thank you so much i'm so glad that we finally got to like hang out and have a long form chat thanks so much i appreciate it man very yeah. much that's the show thank you so much for coming back to podular modcast please check out all the links in the show description to our lovely sponsors our featured artist and to, uh, all of john's music under tortoise and a grape dope um, don't forget that if you want to be a featured artist on PodMod, hit me up in the DMs on Discord, Instagram, or via email at podmodcast at gmail.com. You can also support the show on Patreon. Link in the show description. Uh, this week's secret word is spooky shed. That's two words, but I make the rules. So who cares? Until next week. <laughs>